You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. Let me ask you this. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, yesterday I went to the air show here. Have any of you been to the Capitol Air Show? Uh, seen those planes flying around? Uh, pretty awesome to be at the air show. And uh, one of the favorite moments for me is when they bring out like one of the most classic World War II airplanes. This plane would have been absolutely the most powerful plane of its time uh, in World War II, and it's the P-38 Lightning there on the bottom. Now, you got to realize that both American aces, the top aces among American pilots in World War II, flew this plane. It absolutely was incredibly powerful. And now you look at the Raptor F-22. It can turn tighter. It can fly faster. It is just unbelievable in the capabilities. And you just look at it in one glimpse, in one photo, you get a picture of the best that history had to offer, the prime war instrument of its time. And now what modern day would say, this is our fastest, strongest, most capable fighter in the world. Things change. Things change over 50 years, 75 years, 25 years. Let me ask you this. What were you doing 25 years ago in September? Think back. 25 years ago, what were you doing 25 years ago today? Some of you, as I hear chuckling up here in the front rows, you were just a glimmer in your father's eye. Others of us. I've been around a little bit longer, and we can actually remember back to what we were doing 25 years ago. Are you the same person that you were 25 years ago? Of course not. You have changed. We have changed. As I look back, I thought of, as I was just thinking of this year, what was I doing 25 years ago? And I, re- I was heading back to school at Biola University for my junior year, and uh, it really had been a tough summer for me, and I think I was struggling a little bit with my identity that here I am preparing to be a minister. I'm at school. I'm, you know, I'm in college. I still have years of school to go to after college uh, to be a minister, but I just have come off really kind of a tough summer. Uh, I, I really was experiencing some disappointment from a breakup uh, that I was, had had back in the spring. I was carrying that, and I was frustrated with my own life. I was frustrated with having hurts in my life, and habits in my life, and hang-ups in my life, and I felt like God is preparing me for the ministry, and ignorantly I thought, I don't have time to be imperfect. (laughs) Ignorant, right? God uses us right where we are. I got to tell you, you know what? I had to look at my identity and say, "Is, is my identity based on my performance, or is it based on my God and what he has done and what he will continue to do. Those of you who know the Lord know that our identity is based on who he declares us to be, not simply who we think we are. If success as God's bride as a church is dependent on our performance, the performance of individuals, human beings, imperfect people versus the perfect grace of God, then we are all in trouble. And God began to bring me back to the basics. He began to say, Dave, at that, at that critical junction, your junior year of college, 25 years ago, he began to bring me back to the basics. That September, I wrote this in my journal. I said, oh, God, I need your help right now because I followed my own ways. 
your cleansing and your direction, Lord, make for better days. You fill the void inside my life, and you calm my reckless craze. Please use me and restore me as you break these sinful chains. And yes, it rhymes. <laughs> and later I made it into a song. But because I don't have a mullet that's permed and leather pants and a half shirt, because it was the 80s, I won't pain you with it right now. But God is bringing me back to identity, that it's his work, that it's the work he begins in us that changes us. If it's simply left up to performance, we're in trouble. 349 miles north of my location, there was a group of people launching a new church in Elk Grove, California, named Sun Grove Community Church. And over the past 25 years, if the success of this church was based simply on human performance and human individuals, then we would all be in trouble. We would have had to shut the door multiple times. And over the years, in some of the most difficult seasons of Sun Grove's history, there were talks among elders that, you know what, maybe we should just shut the doors. Because we as humans, as we look at our abilities and, and our journey and performance, there are times in your life and mine when you look and go, maybe I should just throw in the towel. Maybe I should just give in. Maybe I should just give up. Because if life is based on our performance, we're in trouble. But God had something greater. If we've learned one thing that we've learned over 25 years, it's that God is faithful and that his grace has sustained and accomplished great things. While reflecting on God's faithfulness over the past 25 years, I came across a verse about a week ago, and I want to show it to you. It's Isaiah 26, 12. These are the people of God. They're praising God. They say, Lord, you established peace for us. Everyone likes peace. They're like, that's good. Then he says, all that we have accomplished, you have done for us. Look at that verse for a minute. Doesn't there seem to be a disconnect? All that we've accomplished. I mean, we've worked hard. We've stepped up. We've performed. We've done what we need to do. We've put in hard work. We've invested time and energy and treasure and value. Got all that we have done in the Hebrew mindset, they turn right around and rightly attribute all that to what God has done. All that we have accomplished, you, you, Lord, have done for us. Isn't that true of God? As you look back at your development, your lifespan, your experience, there are times we say, we did go to school. I did work hard. I have fought for this, or I fought for that, or it took me a long time to make these gains. But at the end of the day, the God who gives you and me breath, the God who gives you and me a heartbeat, the God who gives you and I and keeps us alive is weaving your story into his big picture story and all that you have accomplished, God has done for you and for me. It is his work all along. While we constantly change, God remains constant. He remains unchanging. And his heart so much that is unchanged toward you, irrespective of your performance, is his pursuit of personal relationship with you. Our performance fluctuates. We change. And God says, I remain unchanged. I am passionate about you. I pursue your heart. I weave your imperfect story into my big story, and I am faithful 
I am faithful. God's heart is to continue to bring people who are just dead spiritually. They are condemned. They're dead in their trespasses and their sin. If it's, it's all left up to performance for them, and they will be found lacking. And God's heart is, my heart is to take the furthest away person and draw them into relationship with me personally. So Paul writes this to a church he founded in Colossae. If you have your Bible, open with me to Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Paul says, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. Let me time out right there. Sounds like performance, right? I want you to know me if I haven't met you personally. I want you to know how hard I'm contending. I want you to know I'm pulling my weight. I'm doing the work. Verse 2, he says, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and of knowledge. And I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit. And I delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you receive Jesus Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Rooted and built up in him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow or deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. Who is God? It's Christ at first, Paul says, I'm contending. It almost sounds like performance, right? Look at me. Look at all the work I'm doing. I'm doing this. But he, what he's saying is, listen, I am working and striving because of what Jesus Christ has already done in me. And I'm helping you to understand that the church that is encouraged in heart and united in love completely understands that knowing Christ personally is the work. Knowing Christ personally is the work. And everything else that comes out of that personal relationship with Jesus is overflow. But we get it backwards. We try to do the work, be the work, perform the work to prove that we are something on the inside. And Paul's saying, no, time out, listen. The work is knowing Christ. The work has been done in Christ, that your faith is in him. And everything else that we do, all the activity, all the reaching, all the outreach, all the loving, all the caring, all the serving, that comes out of the overflow. But let's get back to the basics because it's not your performance. God is faithful to the cry of your soul. There's a lot of talk about what the soul is and what the spirit is, and we know what the body is, but where's the dividing line between a person's soul and a person's spirit? There's a lot of talk about that. And you want to ask what the soul is, you have to realize you are not just a self, you are a soul. Our world will always talk about yourself, 
But deep inside, the lacking that we feel is because of the cry of the soul. What is the soul? It's that tiny, fragile, vulnerable part, that precious thing about you that makes you, you. That's the soul. It's the real you. Why is it that a young boy wants a man to walk him into manhood or a father to walk him into manhood? Why is it that a young woman wants a good mother to teach her some life skills and help her unpack and understand what's going on in her heart and be able to communicate that and give her aspirations and dreams for the future? Why is it that a young person entering the marketplace or the workforce wishes for a mentor to identify his or her worth and to walk with them through their career and invest in them? Why is it that a middle-aged man or woman looks for a sage in life to help them navigate midlife and retirement and the care of aging parents? Why do we search in these ways? It strikes me. The soul always searches for the father. It always looks for him. That tender, fragile inner part of you always looks for the father. Why? Because you were created for eternity. You were made for relationship with your creator. And we try to fill it with all sorts of other things, and they just don't satisfy. They may entertain, they may bring pleasure, they may bring excitement, but at the end, they don't satisfy the soul, the inmost part of you. It's why we're not content with 25 years times four and probably nothing more. It's why we're not content when someone's life is taken before the age 25. It's why we're not content with the condition of our life as we age and the things that we've lost. Why? Because the soul was created for eternity, to last and live forever in relationship with our creator. That's what we are created for. So the faithfulness of God is his pursuit of that relationship with you. And so Paul comes along to course-correct a church in Colossae to bring them back to identity. He says you should not be deceived by fine-sounding arguments in verse 4. He says you should not be taken captive by hollow or empty philosophy in verse 8. And that God has brought us to fullness through knowing Christ. That's it. He says again, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity dwell, lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. Did he say in your performance, you've been brought to fullness? You've done enough to satisfy your soul? No. The performance game is a bottomless pit. But he's saying in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. So the work of the person who's been made spiritually alive, who has given their life to Jesus Christ, who has said, God, I want to come into personal relationship with you. I'm not interested in religiosity. I'm not interested in just religion. I want to know the living God, and I want him to know me. The person who's been brought from death and the condemnation of our sins to new life. What's the work? 
to walk with Jesus daily, living all your life relationally with him, to grow deep roots as you and I are tried and tested and tempted, and it'll happen. You will be tried. You will be tested. Your performance will be tested. Will be, you will be tempted in so many ways. But what happens in that process, if we're looking at performance alone, then we say that that's a negative. But what happens is those experiences that sometimes people point the finger and blame God for, that failure was your fault, God. That loss was your fault, God. My weaknesses are your fault, God. Why have you not rescued me from me was your fault, God. Though that trying, that testing, that tempting causes the believer to grow deep roots when you realize he has been faithful. All that we have accomplished, he has done for us. Grow deep roots. And then to be built up and strengthened as you apply what you've been taught. Verse 6 says, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So what's the result? What's the result of this growth process? What's the result of this faith, this relationship with Christ? The result is overflow. And what do we overflow with? We overflow with thankfulness that, God, you are to be praised, that, God, you are great, that, God, you are King of kings and Lord of lords, that you have extended yourself to all generations, and we are just one. We are so thankful. Why? Because of Isaiah 26, 12, Lord, you establish peace for us all that we have accomplished, you have done for us. Think of your spiritual life for a moment. Maybe you're here today and you've been coming to this church for five minutes and you're going, I don't know that I have a spiritual life. Maybe you're here today and you've been coming for 25 years and you're saying, if my life right now, the spirituality of my life right now, if this is as deep as I ever get with the Lord, you might find that a little bit depressing. Why? Because we're to grow in relationship. As a husband would look at a wife and say, we're supposed to continue to grow in relationship, not grow apart. We're supposed to continue in that, so too. Our soul cries out for the real work. The real work is relationship with Jesus Christ, your personal walk with him it's to know Christ because in that relationship in which you were created that keeps you encouraged in heart and united in love why do we what's the work what's the work of your next 25 years developing your personal relationship with Jesus that's the work it's not setting yourself up for retirement it's not making sure your kids are okay it's not giving your children every experience under the sun so that they might choose something. The work of the next 25 years for your soul, for your life, is your personal relationship with Jesus. And out of that comes the overflow. Everything else comes from that. That's the source. That's the beginning. The work is a relationship with God. Everything else we do is overflow. What does overflow look like? Overflow is letting people know that Christ can make them spiritually alive. 
And that's people in your family. That's people in the marketplace, in your workplace. That's people who live across the street from you. So out of the overflow, this thankfulness back to God, we begin to let people know there's hope. There's an answer for the cry of your soul like there is for mine. His name is Jesus. Why? All that we will accomplish, God will do for us. Overflow is reaching out to North State Graduate School of Pharmacy and Medicine, which just opened their doors right down the street. Hundreds of graduate students right now are changing the demographic of the apartments near here, the businesses near here, and our neighborhoods. And as we reach out to them, as God opens the door to reach those who will take the good news of Jesus and own it in a personal relationship with him, and they will transform it as they are pursuing pharmaceutical school. They'll transform it as they pursue medicine for the rest of their lives. Why? All that we will accomplish, God will do for us. Overflow is reaching children in schools with the good news of Jesus in after-school Bible clubs. All that we will accomplish, God has done and will do for us. Overflow is when we bring value to children in India. I went back in February, and in February I went and looked at a village that had two different types of people in it. It had the Mushar, which are the least of these, that... Their name, Mushar, means rat eater. They don't have shoes. They're grubby and dirty all the time, and they're just the outcasts of society. But that same village also has CSW children, child sex worker children in it. So half the village is child sex worker, half the village is Mushar. And we came back saying, God has impassioned us to bring the good news of Jesus to those people. We watch this video. Right here in this village, we have both on this side the Mushar, and on this side we have children from the CSW village. And at Sun Grove, we have the chance to make a difference in two different cultures' lives by providing education for these kind of children and sponsorship for them to hear the gospel but also to be able to get educated and basic needs met. The interesting thing here is it would be a mix of two different cultures, and we would have a unique chance to really help break down not only the caste system, but the opportunity for them to build, break down the difference between being lost and being saved. That could be an exciting work. Don't go away. Love those feet. You know, Gandhi spent years trying to bring through peaceful opposition. He accomplished Britain leaving the English left India. He accomplished that. He spent just as much time trying to get Indian people to break down the caste system where they outcast some people and they elevate others based on their birth. And he couldn't make a dent well, I was there in February, and here you have one caste, the Mushar. And here, on the other hand, you have child sex workers who are a little bit higher caste, but they're going to be used up and spit out by their own society. And we believe that the power of God could blend two castes who normally wouldn't interact that much. And so that was February of this year. I took a picture of a girl. She's wearing a green shirt. Right there, she was in that video. Uh, and some of these children right here, and that was in February. There's nothing going on for them. They're not being educated. There's no schooling for them. There's no, no, she, her destiny 
is to be sold and trafficked over the course of her lifetime. That was February of this year. Our team just got back in June, and I want to show you another picture. There she is right there. Because of the love of Sun Grove Church, because of people stepping up and sponsoring children in India, she and so many of the rest are right now receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ, that their creator wants relationship with them, that she's right next to kids who she wouldn't normally hang out with because they're Mushar, and her caste is a little higher than that. And so that is between February of this year and June of this year. We have another team that leaves in about 15 days. I just, I mean, I'm just, I'm weeping like a little girl when I'm looking at these pictures because I looked at my own personal photos of being there, and I pulled up pictures like this. Go to the next one as well. Here's a bunch of kids. All 50 of these kids are being sponsored by Sun Grove Church. We have stepped into this village. We have stepped into this village, and we're helping these kids. Right now, there's an organization that does a large conference to ministries, and they've asked the seed group, can we provide them 2,000 kids for monthly scholarship? We said, yeah, no problem. There's plenty there. But I got to tell you this. Gandhi worked for years to try to break down the caste system, and Christ has done it in this one village between February and June. And that's the life-changing power of the gospel. Why? All that we will accomplish, God has done for us. So what do we do? We overflow. We overflow with thankfulness. We do the work of our walk with Jesus, but we overflow in the work of our workplace and our marketplace and how we raise our families and everything else we do. That is the overflow. It comes out of the basics. Your walk with the one who created you, the one who loves you, the one who saves you, the one who took your shame and your guilt and the weaknesses of your performance upon himself. He said, I will go to the cross. I will hang there on the cross. I will take all your weaknesses, imperfections, sins, the dark side, every nature in you, and I will carry it as my own on the cross, and I'll pay God's righteous anger and wrath towards sin, which separates people from him. And he loves you so much that God said, I will become flesh. And so Jesus Christ, the only God man that ever existed, as a servant, loved you so much that he stretched out his arms and he paid your penalty on the cross. And then he rose to new life. He conquered the grave. He is the living King of kings and Lord of lords. All power and authority are given to him. And you and I, every one of us, will meet him one day face to face. The question is, he loves us and extends his love to us, but will we take the step toward him? He doesn't force us into relationship because there's no love in that. He draws us, and we take that last step. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed, whether you're up in the loft, you're down here on the floor, I just want you considering your own life for a minute because I know that it's no accident that you're here today. And that there are many who've walked in here perhaps even the first time. That God's Holy Spirit has been talking to your soul this morning. That he's been letting you know that he's been pursuing you and drawing you. That he loves you very much. 
And if today you would like to say yes to Jesus, to give your life to him, to offer yourself up to Christ, then you pray a prayer right where you're seated. You can repeat this just after me. Jesus, today I say yes to you. I ask you to come into my life and make my soul full. I ask you to make me a new creation, to do a work in me by your Holy Spirit. Jesus, I confess that I have sinned and I need you as my Savior. Thank you for taking my sin and my shame upon the cross. Thank you for rising from the dead. And today I want to say yes to you. If you just prayed that prayer and you meant it, would you just raise up your hand right where you're at? Anywhere around the room? We've got some hands right here. We've got some people who like to give you, if you've got your hand up, hold it up high. We've got some people who like to give you a little information here today. That's awesome. Right there in the back, great. Anywhere else around the room, just hold that high. Just, we'd like to get you some information. That's awesome. All that God has accomplished, all that we've accomplished, God has done for us. Will you take a moment, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I want you to just take a moment and reflect for a minute. Will you tell God what the work is for your next 25 years or your next five years? That the work is your relationship with him. And some of you, you're at a point where you're discontent with your life. You're, you're almost at the point where you're at the what the heck stage and willing to throw your life away and accept the consequences because your soul is hungry and desperate and needy. And Christ is just drawing you back to the basics, that your identity is in him. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.